0: Man, this has been so special, uh, being able to come back from vacation and just to worship with our church family and to be with you, and very much looking forward already to tonight and a continuation of what God is doing. In fact, I believe that the message that God had already put in my heart for today really fits in with where we have just been over the past half hour and spending time in God's presence. So are you ready? Are you ready? Jesus promised never, ever to leave us. He said, I will be with you always. It's his promise. But we also know in God's word that Jesus ascended to heaven and is at the right hand of the Father. So what did he mean? Here's what he meant, and he told us. He said, it is gonna be better for you that I go. And return back to heaven because as I do, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is both in us and with us. In 1 Corinthians 6, we're going to be getting to chapters 12, 13, 14 in just a a few minutes. But in 1 Corinthians 6, 19... Uh, Paul speaks a really interesting thing and it's about the Holy Spirit and about the Holy Spirit's presence. This is what he he said. He said, don't you realize that your body is the what? Come on, everybody say it. Your body is the Temple. temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. Don't you realize that? Now, some of you that are familiar with that passage, it's it's very interesting because you know he's actually talking about us being the temple of the Holy Spirit. Because he's saying, "Don't sin, like don't give yourself over to uh, you know to things that are going to mess up the fact that God's with you. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit, so don't mess up." But I want to point something out to you that I think is really profound. That I I don't think I've ever really heard. I think that's me popping, isn't it? Is that me? Am I popping? Let's go. Let's go hands free today. This will just take a second. Sorry, online audience. We'll just take a second here and. Not yet. We're we're coming. Here we go. Here's here's what God was speaking to my heart as as I read over those words. Don't you realize your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? One is there is no other life that we know as followers of Jesus other than a Spirit-filled life. There's like no other way to like, Follow Jesus or to, to say, hey, yeah, I'm, a, I'm, I'm one of those Christians. There is no other way to be a Christ follower except understanding that we have been filled by the Spirit. We are spirit filled, we live spirit filled lives. And he says that your body, like who you are in your personhood, has literally become a home for God. He says, you are his temple. Now listen, that is a radical, radical idea. Because for centuries, for people to experience like the power, the presence of God, they literally had to go to a physical building. It was the temple. It's in Jerusalem. In fact, it was back in just a few years ago, 2019, Kelly and I had the opportunity to travel to Israel. And we've got a picture. This is is the temple. What is left of the temple, uh, the temple has been destroyed twice. It was destroyed um, 586 or so years before Jesus came uh, by the Babylonians, the original temple. But if you're familiar with the Old Testament, this guy named Nehemiah, man, he rose up and he said, man, I've got this vision to rebuild the temple. And so what we see today are actually the ruins of the second temple. The second temple. It was rebuilt by Nehemiah and all of his compatriots who like, came alongside of him and, and helped with that. But then, as Jesus prophesied, uh, it was about in the year 70 A.D., we have a historical record that Rome came in and then destroyed the second temple. Left it in ruins. This is not what it looked like in the days of Jesus. It was magnificent and beautiful. But it's, it's still there. You can go and see it for centuries For centuries, if people wanted to experience the presence of God and the power of God, they had to like literally go to a physical place all the way on the other side of the world in Jerusalem. So, what Paul is saying here is revolutionary. It like changes everything. He says, No, 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 you need to understand something. You now are the temple of God, you are the temple. That was the second temple. You are the third, and the fourth, and the fifth, and the millionth, and the hundred millionth. You are the temple of God. And this is so incredibly amazing and cool. Because what if people can't go to a physical temple? Like Kelly and I had the opportunity. I bet most people in this room have not been to that temple. So what happens if people can't go to the temple? God says, you know what? I got you covered. The temple is coming to you. What about if people say, I have no interest in going to the temple. I don't even want to go to a temple. God says, oh, no, 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 no worries. I love you so much that I am bringing my temple to you. I'm having like one of my mobile temples move in next door to you. You go to work, and you show up, and guess what? Boom, God brings a temple. You go to school, and all of a sudden, like, in your class, there is somebody who is a temple person. They are the temple of God, filled with his living presence. And that is a radical, game-changing idea that God brings to us. The Holy Spirit is now alive In you and me. And he has called us as his mobile temples to take his love, his power, his presence with us everywhere we go, into every situation, and into every person's life that you meet. Guess what's happening? The Holy Spirit's presence should be activated in a way that it changes things just as real as centuries ago as people would enter the temple and experience something of God's transforming power. You and I are now those temples. So, the question I really want to get after in this morning's message is, how do we, do, how do we become these temple people that would release something of God's presence and power wherever we go into all those different situations? How do we do that? How are we to be good Mobile temples, bringing the very presence and power of God everywhere we go. And where we're going to be turning is to three chapters where Paul gets after this. And and if you've been reading along with us through the New Testament, we've been in 1 Corinthians. And so this just comes right out of what hopefully many of us have read together over the past days. In chapter 12, 13, and 14, Paul really gets after this and unpacks this. Because what we see here is that the Holy Spirit, as he comes, he brings his gifts to his people. Like special abilities that are beyond your skill set. Things that like you just don't, wouldn't know like how to get after in your own natural ability. These are super naturally anointed abilities. Gifts. Callings ministry expressions of the holy spirit that are for you and i and that's how we go and bring this temple presence to the world around us now when i've thought about this it seems like there are like three different responses the believers have to this like when they're encountered with this reality they're like whoa like god is literally in me he's called me his temple this my body, my, my person, I am filled with the Holy Spirit, and I am to bring His, the Spirit's presence into the world around me. And I think that there's kind of three basic responses that people have. One is ignorance. Is like, they just act like they're oblivious to that fact. They may have like said yes to Jesus at some point along the way. But like they're living as if they are absolutely ignorant of that. In fact, you may even meet someone and like. One day you like hear him say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. you're like, I had no idea. (laughs) I had no idea that that person was, why? Because there is no like evidence of their life that something is coming out of them that is God-like. There is nothing of God's presence or power that's evident in their story, right? Does that make sense? So one response is like ignorance. The second one is immaturity. Immaturity. So take this person who realizes that they have God and his presence in their story, in their life, in their body. But as they go to like maybe express that in different ways, I would say they kind of misuse the influence that God has given them. They misuse this amazing, mighty power and presence of of God, and then they misuse it, just out of immaturity. Maybe they haven't been taught, maybe they haven't had enough, you know, just life experience and working with people. What ends up happening with people who are immature that are trying to do this, like, you know, ministry thing and use the gifts, but they're immature, what ends up happening is it leaves people either more confused or even hurt. There have been people that have been hurt through, I would even say, like, you know, people wanting to do good in Jesus' name, but like, man, really messing up. Saying things they never should have said. Not operating in, in the ways that we're going to be discovering here in a moment that Paul unpacks because the, there is a third group. There's people who are ignorant, there's people who are immature, and then there's people who are mature. They, like, they really have come to take on an understanding of I am the temple, a God. Like, I like have the presence of the Holy Spirit within me. And because of that reality, and because he's given me these gifts, I get the opportunity now to everywhere I go and to everyone I meet, I get to be God's hand extended into that setting. And these gifts that God has given me, when I use them, people are actually come away and say, man, that really blessed me. That really encouraged me. Maybe that even brought healing into someone's life, maybe even spiritual transformation that would come from you. Not because, listen, not because you're so amazing, but because there's a maturity of understanding of like, God is here. This is not me. Like, it's not my goodness. It's not my natural ability. It's not because I'm so cute, right, or so smart. This should be really good for a lot of us because a lot of us are kind of ugly and dumb. Sorry, I mean, just read Paul. You know, it's like God uses the things that are lowly to like bring down the wisdom of this world. God used things that are powerless to do powerful things. This isn't about you and me. This is about God's power in us that can be released through us and it's not because of our goodness or our smarts or our intellect or our wisdom or how many classes we went to and all this stuff. It's about his presence. And then he brings these gifts that we read about that we get to then release in our lives. And so people in maturity, as they operate that way, they begin to leave just blessing behind them. So Paul starts off these three chapters 12, 13, 14, I'm not gonna go through them verse by verse or anything. I'm just gonna like, I, he says a lot of things in these, in these three chapters. They're all worth studying about being God's ministering people, how to do it well. I would encourage if you have not done so to read each of these. I'm just gonna be pulling out one thing from each of those chapters that really helps us to, to understand what it looks like to be mature, spiritually mature people in, in regards to these things. But he starts off these three chapters, chapter 12, verse 1, 1 Corinthians, and he says this. He says, now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. It's, I love, I love uh, the New King James version uh, of this scripture where he just gets really blunt, where, you know, the way that they translate Paul. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant. <laughs> don't be ignorant. You need to learn here. Paul is urging us forward into spiritual maturity, moving us away from ignorance. Don't be ignorant. Don't be immature in these matters when it comes to giving away the powerful spirit life that is within you. So, as I said, Paul talks about lots of different things in these, uh, in these three chapters, but I wanna talk, like I said, I'm gonna just pull out one thing. In chapter 12, what we learn is that spiritually mature people are gonna do one thing, they're gonna pursue unity. The second thing we're gonna see in chapter 13 is that, guess what? We are to pursue love, passionately pursue love. And then the third thing that we're gonna see is in chapter 14 that we're literally to pursue the right gift for what is needed in the moment. Those are the three things of where we're headed in the next moments. So let's just unpack these a bit. Number one, in chapter 12, what we see from Paul is that spiritually mature people pursue unity when it comes to the operation of the gifts of the Spirit and ministering in this mature, Spirit-filled life. Now, when we read this chapter, chapter 12, Paul starts to, like, unpack what some of these gifts are, some of the things, the special abilities the Holy Spirit will bring to you. He talks about things like wisdom, the gift of knowledge, the gift of faith, the gift of miracles, the gift of healing the gift of tongues, the gift of prophecy. He starts talking about, about all of these things. But what we realize is that there's other places in the New Testament where Paul is also writing to different people who talks about the gifts and abilities that the Holy Spirit will bring, but he uses different lists. He uses different things. He talks about other gifts. And so what we come to discern is, Is this, is that Paul is not giving us like an exhaustive list of every sort of ability that God can bring into your life. God is creative, God is unlimited, and God will bring whatever is needed into your story when it is needed. He will bring whatever gift. It's like, well, I don't see that gift listed here. It's like, that's okay because he's giving us real life examples of the kinds of gifts that the Holy Spirit will release into our lives. But here's the issue. Because there is this like beautiful diversity of gifts, this is what happened when when we're kind of like ignorant or immature spiritually about these things. The one that we can take on a pride Well, look at my gift. I've got this gift. That person over there, they don't have this gift. And so what we end up doing is we start looking down on other people who do not have the same gifting that we do. Or just flip that coin over and what do we see? We see people who are like, man, I don't don't think I'm very gifted." You know, I, I look at other people and I see their gifts. And I just don't have the kind of gifts that they have. And therefore, I am not as valued, I am not as worthwhile in God's kingdom. And so people either elevate themselves with pride, right? Or they diminish the amazing presence and power of the Holy Spirit that is within them. And you know what? Both of those things, both of those mindsets are absolutely destructive, They are disunifying to God's people because we're either looking up at people or we're looking down at people, but we're not connected. You cannot be unified with people that you're either looking up at or looking down upon. We must be unified in the middle of this amazing diversity of gifts that God will pour out on his people. It's in 1 Corinthians 12 that we read this. It's in verses four through six. Paul says, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts. But hey, people, it's the same Spirit who is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but is the same God who does the work in all of us. It's like we're all serving the same Lord. So you may have a special type of gift. Maybe your gift is leadership. Maybe your gift is like a vocal preaching, teaching kind of a gift. Maybe your gift is just service and it's behind the scenes. And maybe uh, in one of those other scriptures, it talks about like, the gift of administration. You're like, you're part of the gears that make everything work, but maybe you're not even up in a public uh, space where everybody sees you. That's awesome! Because Every gift is needed if we're going to accomplish the mission of God. Do you hear me? Every gift is needed. And you know what we have to do? We have to trust the Lord that he's going to equip his people in a way that is going to help accomplish the greater mission. So God, where is my place in that? And today we are so blessed to have as I had introduced earlier, my friend Caleb Quay here with us. Caleb's musical gifting is from the Lord. There is a natural element to his gifting, because what has he done? He has spent thousands and thousands of hours honing that gift. But I'm telling you, I have been in places and in situations where Caleb has played or is led in worship, where... It is the ushering in of the Holy Spirit. It is just listening to him play brings healing and ministry to to people's lives and hearts. It brings breakthrough, spiritual breakthrough. Why? Because there's an anointing, a gifting in musicianship that he has pursued with his life and given that gift over to the Lord a thousand times. It is a spiritual gift. You know, the interesting thing is, when the very first time in scripture when we read about the Holy Spirit actually coming upon a person, is back, way back, way, way, way back in the beginning of scripture when they were building, getting ready to build the tabernacle. They were, they were out in the desert. God's people are out in the desert and God says, I want you to build this like, well, it was kind of like the precursor to the temple. It was gonna be a mobile temple like we are, right? It's something they could pick up and carry with them. And it says that the Holy Spirit came upon this guy who, you know what he was? He was a craftsman. He was like a designer. He was like the Teddy Broussard of ancient Israel. Like he could see something, he could conceive of something, he could draw it out, and then he could like assemble the people and and do the work to get the job done. He was a contractor. He was an architect. He was an artist. He was a designer. And that's the first one in Scripture that we see, the Holy Spirit coming upon God will use every single gift that he has given if we recognize, God, this is how you've you've gifted me. And I'm going to hone that gift and use it for your glory. Um, Recently, I I heard an illustration, and and I just thought it was perfect for this. And it's that the church is like a potluck. Church is like a potluck. You never want to go to a potluck. You know what a potluck is, you know, where everybody's like, hey, bring something, some food, and we'll all show up and we'll eat. Church is like a potluck. You never want to go to a potluck where everyone only brings chips. Never want to go to one of those, oh, here comes another person with a bag of Doritos. All right. Woo, this is going to be good. We're going to eat good tonight, guys. You don't want to go to a potluck where everybody only brings Costco cookies. I'm good. I'm down with a good Costco cookie. Like maybe one, maybe two. I don't want to make a whole meal of them. Do you know what makes a potluck great? Is when everybody brings their best dish. When everybody brings their their unique thing that they bring to the table, and then it makes it like, whoa, this is so good. Man, just before we left on vacation, we had like. A beach day. It was so wonderful, man. We had a great time. We're going to do one more in in September. But you know what was so good, man? We had people that were out there, man, with their barbecues. And they got the carne asada that they're putting out there. There's people that made these delicious, unique salads. And somebody, I can't remember, made this corn salad. I just couldn't eat enough of it. It was so, so good. Everybody bringing their best. And then our Filipino family shows up. And I'd already had, like, one plate of food, but here comes the tray of lumpia. Woo! And it's like, my, man, my mouth starts watering. It's like, you, listen, let me tell you, that is such a beautiful example of how God shines his glory in our diversity, when we're just like these diverse people but are unified, we're all celebrate each other, we celebrate each other's gifts, we don't downplay my own gift because somebody else can do it better. No, I celebrate that fact. Come on. Listen, you know how excited I was when we were on vacation? We like joined into a couple of those service times online. You know, man, when Kaylin Lara gets up in this pulpit and begins to preach, you know, okay, she's my daughter, but you know what? I'm telling you, the woman has got a gift that I believe that when she has done, done this for a little bit of time, she is gonna far surpass me in her ability to communicate God's word to his people. To her generation. I am so blessed when I see people that can do things. I wanna celebrate other people in their giftedness. Not make me feel less than, or not look down because someone can't yet do it quite the way I do it. You guys, we need to just come together. And that's what Paul is communicating throughout 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The spiritually mature people, they understand the gifts, but they understand it through this lens of unity. So they run after it. They chase after that. In chapter 13... Maybe you're already very familiar with this chapter because if you've ever been to a wedding, you probably heard a little bit of this quoted. But he, he says that spiritually mature people pursue the gifts through the lens of love. They pursue love even more than the particular gift that they may have. Like, Right? Love is patient, love is kind. And we, you know, we kind of can assume that all oh, that's like for husbands and wives this is very cool. But we need to remember that he embeds this chapter on love right in the middle of telling people, no, this is how we operate in the things of the spirit. A spirit-filled life that is overflowing with those spirit gifts to people around you must be rooted in love. So, first three verses of this chapter, follow along. He says this, he says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels. Now, we just pause right there and say, that would be some amazing giftedness. He's referencing like the gift of tongues the scripture talks about. He, he, you know, but if I could like talk not only in the, you know, like in like this heavenly language, but like knew every language in the world. But I didn't love others. I would only be a noisy gong. Thank you for that little sound effect somebody had on your cell phone there. Thank you. I know you were planning that. I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, woo, And I understood all of God's secret plans, dang, and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. But wait, there's more. If I gave everything I have to the poor, and even sacrificed my body. Man, man, look at me. I'm like Jesus. I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Whew. This is a simple but painfully profound statement about the reality of the, when, we're, when we're ignorant of God's presence and how to release that through our lives, to others. Or when we're immature and we leave people confused or hurt in our trail is when we're just trying to do all this gift stuff. He says this, he says that no matter how spiritually gifted you may be, if there's no love, guess what? You are nothing and have gained nothing and all you are is this loud clang, Clang, clang in people's ears. Man, no wonder the world doesn't like, want to embrace the Christian message more. Listen, when we minister in spiritual maturity and people start to hear the gospel afresh, like a new, like what, the grace of God and like he wants to gift me with eternal life and forgiveness and I can like, my life can be transformed and can be better than it is. Guess what, you guys? It's a really good message. It's not the message that's getting in the way. What Paul is saying is it's us who get in the way. When we're not bringing it because of like a love. Like understanding other people's stories. No, we just get angry with people. Look what they're doing with their lives. People are so confused. Those people are so messed up, and they vote the wrong way. They go into the wrong bathrooms. They do whatever. It's like you know. It's like you know what I'm saying. They're just oh man, those people, and we're hating on them. And God is saying, "Those are my children whom I love. Are you going to be my temple people?" And go and bring my presence to those people. Because you love them the way I love them. Or are you just going to hurt people. And they want to run away because all it is is this clang, clang, clang. This noise. You're annoying. Paul is just saying, don't be annoying. Be loving. And then he goes on. And he describes this kind of love. I'm just going to read some, some of what, it, what he writes. He, he says what this looks like in a spiritually mature person as they are operating in these gifts, these temple gifts. He says we're going to be patient. We're going to be kind. Not jealous. Not proud. Like I've got it all figured out. Not rude. Not irritable. He says these spiritually mature people are going to rejoice in the truth. And these people are never, ever going to give up. But they're going to remain faithful and hopeful, enduring everything that's thrown at them. That's what it looks like to be lovers of God and lovers of people. Saying, don't be ignorant, don't be immature. We need this loving kind of maturity as we operate these lives of the Spirit. The last one is chapter 14. And he gets after this interesting thing here. And I, I can't leave this message about spiritual gifts without, without just touching on this for a couple of minutes and we'll be done. But he says the spiritually mature people pursue the right gift that's needed in the moment. And as you read 1 Corinthians 14, you really quickly realize he leaves behind the long list of gifts. And he, start, he talks about two of them. He talks about tongues and he talks about prophecy. He talks about both of them. He starts out in verse 1 by saying this. 1 Corinthians 14:1. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. That word that's eagerly desired, it has to do with like literally being jealous for them. It's like, God, I want more of you. God, I want more of your power and your, your supernatural ability to come from my life. God, I'm jealous for it. I want it more than food. I want it more than sleep. I want it more than, God, I want you. We, we sang that earlier this morning, right? Just, Holy Spirit, all I want is you. Be jealous for them. And he uses these two gifts, tongues and prophecy, because what he's, he's making this point that all of the gifts are good. All of them are necessary, but not all of them are as necessary at the same time. That's, that's the story of 1 Corinthians 14. Not all the gifts are, like, needed at every moment. So go for the right gift at the right time. Spiritually mature people understand that. Listen, if you're a hammer, everything is a nail. In other words, if you're a prophet, like, whoa, I've got a word for that. Whoa, prophet. And you say, no, every gift is necessary. Pursue them all. but be wise about how you implement those. And so let's, I want to read a little bit more than just verse one. Listen to what he says, starting in verse one through five. He says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the spirit, especially, what? Prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. But the one who prophesies speaks to people, for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. Love that. But the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. Can you just, like, say that out loud? I would like every one of you to speak in tongues tongues. In other words, pursue all the gifts, friends. Eagerly desire. Be jealous for them. God, I don't want to leave one gift behind that you have for me. But I would rather have you prophesy. What is prophecy? Prophecy is simply hearing something that God is desiring to speak into a given situation to meet a need. Hearing something like from the heart of God to deliver right into a particular situation or need. And then we get to be prophetic, not pathetic, prophetic, when we then by faith say, God, that thing that I believe that you're stirring in my spirit for this need by faith, I'm going to speak it out. I'm going to communicate that. I'm going to write it. I'm going to share it. I'm going to sing it. I'm going to, I am going to release this thing. And that is a prophetic utterance from God. It's a temple thing. It's allowing people to experience something of the power and presence of God just through communication. Man, our sister Lisa, during worship this morning, came up and said, man, this is what I hear God saying. You know what? She didn't get up and say, oh, thus saith the Lord. You know, she didn't get up. She didn't use, like, some weird language. She just talked. She just said, you know what? I really think that the the Holy Spirit is here to, like, do a new thing, to, to baptize you afresh. Do you need that new thing? It's that encouraging, that strengthening, that nudging us closer to what the heart of God is in that very moment. It's beautiful and doesn't have to be weird. It can just be normal. you can be talking to your friend at school and saying, you know, man, I, I don't know, I just, I believe in God and I, I was praying and, you know, man, I just feel like God wants to maybe me tell you something. Just to encourage you, you know, I, I don't know what's going on in your story, but... And just share it. See what God does with it. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? One, they're going to know you're a Christ follower. One, because you're operating in love because you love that person. Like, they're actually going to feel like, oh, wow, they really care about me. And then when the Holy Spirit shows up and anoints that very thing that you were willing to do by faith, it could change everything. It could change everything in their story because of that willingness To just speak out. And what Paul is emphasizing here is that that prophetic word is for others, is to bless, encourage, strengthen others. Tongues is different. Now it's also hearing something from the heart of God. For you, it's a more individual like self thing. He said those who speak in tongues, like they edify, they build their own faith up. So it's hearing something, but rather than being an intelligible word, like, hey, God has something for you and I want to share it with you, it's unintelligible to our human understanding. I think God gives the gift of tongues, and one simple idea is that he gives it to really keep us humble. We speak in tongues. It's like, you don't sound smart. You don't sound wise. This had better be a God thing. But we see it over and over as Evidence of the Spirit's presence in a group of people around a person's life. We see that in Scripture over and over. Tongues is this word, this sound from the heart of God for you that by faith, just like prophecy, I said, I'm going to choose to open my mouth, put that on my lips, and I'm going to declare it. Not going to sound cool, but man it's going to be good. Paul talks in this chapter about speaking in tongues. He talks about praying in tongues. He talks about worshiping and singing in tongues. But then also with his understanding. So what we see here is that when man, when we're ministering to other people, man, he says, use this gift of prophecy." because it's gonna be this declaration of my heart for that person. Tongues is good. In fact, he says, pursue. In fact, he says, I speak in tongues more than all of you. But the right gift at the right moment when I'm ministering to someone else is typically gonna be that prophetic word that like, man, as I've been praying for you, this is what I just sense that God is saying. And speaking it out by faith. In love, And in this unified fashion that, hey, let's bring over some other people who may have other gifts as we're ministering in this situation. Because it's not just about me. Tonight, we're going to have, in our worship night, in this time of ministry, we're going to, I believe, just create space for the release of the gifts of the Spirit. If you are becoming jealous, the way Paul talked about, like, man, I want these gifts in my life. But I don't know if I've ever spoken prophetically before. man, As as I've prayed or as I've worshiped, I don't think I've ever been able to release, like, this gift of tongues. Guess what? I just know that that's going to happen in people's stories tonight. Come to the night of worship and ministry. We're going to, like, release that. And in just a moment, as we typically do, we're going to have our ministry team, come and just pray for people at the end of service. And and if you just want to come and say, man, I just want something of the Holy Spirit's touch on my life. I want to be a temple person, a mobile temple going out. I want to be someone who understands how to operate and pursue unity and love and the right gift at the right moment that's going to make a difference in other people's stories. I want to be spiritually mature when it comes to these things. Man, we'd love to just pray for you to release what God is wanting to do in your story. Isn't that God good? Isn't God good? And the good God who said, I will never leave you is present by his Holy Spirit. He's in you. You are his temple. His mobile temple. So that people don't have to travel all around the world To get to one old crumbling building, you are there to bring the Spirit of the living God into any situation. So, God, I pray, Lord, for us. I pray, the Lord Jesus, that this place that we call our church home, Lord, we recognize that it's kind of a cool building and we get to assemble and we love that, but this is not the temple. Lord, we are your temple, we are your people. If this building burned down, guess what? No problem because your temple goes on. Your temple. Carrying the presence and the power of you, God, in our lives. Lord, may we never forget that you go with us everywhere we go. Into our homes, into our places of work, into our schools, into our neighborhoods, and even around the world. God, I pray that, Father, that we would come to maturity in understanding this at a deeper and deeper level. And that, God, we would not be afraid of any of your gifts because they're just your stuff, your special anointings and abilities on our lives. And so, God, we want to be jealous for him. We're going to run after him. We're going to pursue him with everything we have. Not so that we can boast in our own strength or our own goodness, but, Lord, that we get to rejoice in you and in what you would do in us and through us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I'm going to invite our ministry team to come up. And as they do, I just want to ask you a question. Do you have the Holy Spirit within you? Now, if you have surrendered your heart to Jesus, you put your trust in him, the answer unequivocally is yes, because that's what God's word says. You can read it in Romans, where Paul says, listen, if you don't have the spirit of Christ in you, you don't belong to him. So I'm just going to tell you: if you belong to Him, if you have given your heart, your trust to Him, His promise is this: you have the Spirit of the Living God within you. But some here maybe say, "I, I don't even know. I, I, I don't know whether I've like really seriously given my life to to Christ." Today would be a great opportunity to do that. You can do that by coming forward and just saying, hey, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want his spirit within me. I don't want to live life on my own trying to make this up as I go. But you can even do that right now where you're seated. Right now. Jesus, I pray, Lord, for just a, a release of grace, Lord, on all who are here, all who are joining us online to say, Jesus, I need you. I need your forgiveness. I need healing in my life. I need your spirit within me to empower me. And if that's you right now and you know I need Jesus, would you just like raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me, that's me. Would you just raise your hand? Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, bro, I agree with you. Yes, ma'am, I agree with you. Anybody over here? I'm looking to your left, my right. Is there anybody that's just like, that's me? I need that. Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, you are so good and you are so present, so beautiful, so wonderful. It's an honor to serve you. Hmm. Thank you for your word, Lord. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you were one of those people that just raised your hand right now, please come. Um, We have a gift for you to help start a spiritual journey. Um, It's called our Yes Booklet. In fact, next week, we're beginning a class. You may have seen that in the announcements. We're beginning a class right after service next week. We're going to have a simple class. What does it mean to say yes to Jesus? What does it mean to follow him fully? and completely with our lives, and it'd be our joy to walk with you as on your first steps of taking that adventure with Jesus. But man, do not miss tonight, 6 p.m. Caleb's going to be back with us, and man, we're just going to spend time in God's presence and see what God's going to do to continue his good work in us. Amen? Church, you're loved. Come and receive prayer. Go in peace. You are loved.